Peace and welcome to Narrative, where we bring you real talk with real people. I'm your host, Dennis Calvero, along with my co-host, Keith Chan. For weekly updates and exclusive content, follow us on Instagram at narrative.today. You can also go on our website, www.narrative.today. Let's start the conversation. This is Narrative. Yo, what up, Keith? What's going on, D? How are you? Good, man. Got another episode. Um, today's guest, we're going to be having a young homie of mine I met a few years back um, when he moved out here to L.A. He was working on the Just Don project with uh, Don C. And uh, now he's doing his own thing. Um, Chicago native, Louis de Guzman. Yeah, I first heard about Lewis, uh, kind of in the, the art circles uh, when he was doing work for Don. But he really, really caught a lot of the people's attention whenever he had uh, the big project last year, which was SpongeBob, Modernica, and then an exhibition with, that was hosted by Jay Balvin. So yeah. he, he definitely has the energy right now. So I'm excited hey, to doing, talk to him. Doing a big thing, so I'm excited too. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Lewis, what up, man? What's going on? How you guys doing? Good, good. It's been hey, a bro since I um, met you out here in L.A. I think, was that during All-Star Weekend in L.A.? Was it? I think it was All-Star Weekend. In it, Los- yeah, it was. I yeah, think it was. I think that's when downtown had all those activations and you were doing, doing something with Don, right? Yeah, I was working with him at the time. Um, so, yeah, we because, you know, his office was in downtown L.A., so... We were like around there, just running around all over the place that weekend. Dope. Um, um, how long ago was that, like, that you were in L.A.? Three years ago. It's going to be three years this year, actually. Um, lived out there for about a year and then came back to Chicago. Uh, kind of experienced L- uh, L.A. life, the West Coast life. It was, it was really cool. It was uh, definitely a needed uh, learning and growing experience, I'd say. Yeah. What, what, what's your thoughts of L.A.? Love it or hate it? Man, I love it. You know, even, even though I was only there for a year, I consider it a second home. But it's uh, it's not as laid back as I think people kind of make it out to be. Like, oh, it's laid back. Like, yeah, like we went to the beaches during the weekday sometimes and yeah. people are just like lounging and hanging out, walking their dogs and just like, living a really easy life. But I think uh, L.A. definitely, you know, there's like a there's a fine line between the people who are like, you know, obviously go to L.A. to want to make it in the industry, whether it's like acting, music, art, like fashion and like just being a creative in general. And there's another line of like, yo, like, you know, you come from like a city like Chicago, New York, you move to LA. It's like, you kind of could tell like who's really in it to really want to make it, you know, put in the extra work in, you know, cause like, I remember uh, me growing up in Chicago, like even like in my like high school days, I remember like just my old friends talking about like, oh, I want to move to Los Angeles. Like, you know, the only way to make it is like moving to LA or New York. And I'm like, man, like, but you can make it in Chicago too. And I think it's like the work ethic is is everything you know it makes it makes it makes you who you are and it's like it it's what really pushes you forward so for me it's like i think i got all i needed out of la and it, within unfortunately the year I, I was there living out there but learning and you know the weather was good <laughs> but i did miss the snow a little bit it's sounding crazy but i did miss the snow i, I think there weird. is there's a there is a contrast in being in la i, I think they're like you said it, it's not like as laid back but i think people don't have aren't as urgent 
or like on on like the hustle and bustle you you feel when you're in a bigger city like New York or Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, there, yeah. I didn't really feel the sense of urgency, and you, you know, to your point, but I think people were still like they knew what they wanted, but they were like kind of schedule it throughout the week. But like yeah. you know, in Chicago, it's like, I mean, for for myself and and the squad, it's like, man, like our work ethic is like, all right, once we think of something, like, oh, we want to kind of get on it right away and kind of just like see what we can do to like piece it together. Um, but yeah, that that's the only thing I didn't really like was not the less, the you know, most sense of urgency as much, but yeah, I think, uh, more so it was just, you know, it was, it was a vibe, man. Like I, I'm, I'm blessed to say I, I lived in Los Angeles. I mean, if you, that. if you had, if you ever had a chance or if the opportunity ever rose for you to, to live in New York, would that be something you consider? Man, New York is dope, but not I'm Chicago's <laughs> home, bro. Yeah, I have to. I, I think I'm gonna stay in Chicago. Like it's just okay. it's it's home for me. So well, what, let's go back to. Oh, go ahead, Keith. Yeah, I was gonna say what what originally brought you out to uh, to LA a few years ago. Um, man, I had the opportunity to work with Don. Um, he uh, for his Just Don brand, and he had me come out to Los Angeles with one of my good friends. He's still one of my best friends, Julian Bell. So we both moved out there together. Because uh, Julian's from Maryland and I'm from Chicago, but then Julian went to school in Chicago, and we all met through the industry here and just through mutual friends. And then, you know, him and I worked with Don a lot um, on projects and stuff as he started get, getting his brand up. And so we both moved out to Los Angeles, and um, yeah, it was it was an, it was quite an experience, you know, working in fashion district and kind of seeing like as DC would have said, or back then it was like, you know, it's like the less luxurious side of fashion. Like you kind of see like oh, how yeah. and and like these buildings and like, you gotta go to each floor. Like you have like the sewer, the cutter, the, yeah. the dye house. It's like the underbelly. You know, it's not as glamorous. It's like, it's like dusty in these warehouses and like, you gotta like look at the fabric and you know, it was, uh, it was definitely a learning experience, a kind of eye opening experience because I got to really see what it, took to make, you know, some of people like to this day, it's like people's favorite, uh, I don't know, clothing or accessory. I was like, man, looking at something, I, I have much more appreciation for goods now. Have yeah. you ever had a chance to go out to China and see like the... No, man. I, I talk about it all the time. Like I've only, you know, I wish I, I could travel more to like places, not just the Philippines, you know, uh, <laughs> home, but you know, one day, you know, one day. Oh, you, you're in the line of work that will take you all over the world eventually, right? Man, hopefully, <laughs> that's a dream, bro. Yep. Well, let's let's start with your with your background. Um, you're yeah. from Chicago. Where where so, exactly did you grow up? I grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago. I uh, grew up in a not a, I won't say small town, uh, a medium sized town, Bloomingdale, um, which is like about 25, 30 minutes away from the city. Uh, born and raised here. First in my family to, you know, be that, you know, the American born one. Uh, mm -hmm. But my parents came here in 86. And so, you know, they had me here in 89. And I didn't really understand what um, my background was or who I was, like my, my nationality and stuff. You know, it's like growing up, I always heard like, oh, you know, you're so, you know, Dennis, maybe you could relate. You always hear the term, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. Like, yeah. I was like, what do y'all mean I'm lucky? Like, I'm, I'm a kid. <laughs> like, I'm enjoying life. And then as I got older, I was like, all right, I know what you yeah. guys mean now. <laughs> yeah, especially when you go back to the Philippines and you see like where your parents are from and what they had to go yeah. through when you see kids living on in the shanty towns. I mean, I, I used to hear it back then too from my parents. Be like, you're so lucky. You don't even know what, what how hard it is to, to earn a dollar. <laughs> and then I look at my Dude, facts. I'm like, 
you got it way easy. <laughs> Yo, exactly. Like I have nephew, nieces and nephews and I see them. I'm like, man, these kids are on iPads, like wearing like latest J's. Like, yeah. I'm like, y'all don't, you don't understand. Like, cause I've been to the Philippines a, a good amount of times and I've seen where my family still lives. Like they live in not the best neighborhoods and not the best circumstances, but the one thing I could always take when I go back to the Philippines to come back with back home here is like, you know, the happiness of like being happy and very grateful for what you have. Yeah. You know, not, not materialistic things, not being the richest people, but having food on the table, roof over your head and like, yo, like I'm just happy. Like I'm very optimistic. I can appreciate things. So there, there was that a, to me. a thing when I went, when I first visited the Philippines in 87, um, I stayed Damn, out, bro. <laughs> I stayed out there for a month and I was into like, you know, BMX freestyle and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and when I came back and I was on the plane, I cried because there was something in me yeah. that didn't want to leave the Philippines. Dude. And I, even though like we, you know, it, it wasn't like obviously our home here in the States was a lot better. And, but this being around amongst all your people, your relatives, yeah. like being in a village, there's like this, this warm feeling that, you know, I, I, I fell in love with. Yeah, it's like that really homey feeling of like, this is, you know, this is my, these are my ancestors. This is my roots. Like, yeah, this is where, you know, my likeness comes from. Um, but I feel you. I felt the same way, man. I got really emotional. Like when I first went to the Philippines and had to fly back, I was like, man, like, I don't want to leave. Like I legitimately, it was when I got back to Chicago, the first time I went was like in 2012. And I was like, yo how can I work in the Philippines as a designer? <laughs> I was like looking at jobs and like, yo, can I like, who do my cousins know out there? Like, is there any brands out there I can design for? Like I'm from the U S like, let me, let me work for y'all. Let me submit my portfolio. But yeah. and the know. crazy thing is when you were saying that D I, I literally was getting like goosebumps yeah. because uh, the feeling I get, and I've never been back to Vietnam, but I've been to like Thailand and, and a lot of the Southeastern Asian countries. Yeah, and yeah. uh and even in latin america but the feeling that i get and what i'm kind of like running in parallel with what you're saying is it's like when you go to like these uh kind of closer to third world type countries it's not about material things it's all about their community yeah and yeah and what they do with what they have yeah that that sometimes you you see it and you're like man they have materially materially they have way 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 less than me right. but they might be way more happy than i yeah, you know? facts. And then you come so, back to the United States, and it's like the chase is on with like you know trying to get the newest thing. And, um, but yeah, I always have this feeling of like, man, could we just leave it all behind and just live you know more simply? Yeah, that that yeah. used to be one of my goals is be like, I'm gonna build this company, I'm gonna sell it, and I'm gonna retire on some like third world country mm -hmm. or an island somewhere and live in board shorts and flip-flops for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to own any more shoes for the rest of my life. I just want to... Dude, facts. I want to yeah. sell snow cones on the beach. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, that's the dream, though. You know, it's like... I don't know. Like, to you guys' point, it's a very humbling feeling because it just, you know, like, for us being of, you know, of Asian descent, Pacific Islander, and just, like, you know, and all that, it's like we we're blessed to have the opportunity to actually see where our families are from, where our parents come from and kind of like go to where they grew up or hear stories from your family. I, I, I'm sure all the time you can, even to this day, like I'm sure you guys hear stories all the time, but yeah. 
it kind of brings us and kind of puts us in our place. It kind of like sits us down like, all right, cool. Like, yeah. you know, we're very, uh, we're lucky to have that mentality and like that embedment of like in our lives of like, you guys yeah. got to like really work hard for what you want and be gracious for everything, whether it's wins or losses. Yeah. Was there a big um, Filipino, Filipino community around where you grew up in Chicago? Yeah, there actually was, you know, um, there was definitely a big Philippine community, you know, there was a Simbanga Bay, like on Fridays, like during December, like wintertime, you know, there would be like night mass and church that like, you know, all the Filipinos would gather at. Um, there was always like that local Filipino store. Like th- it's not like Los Angeles, how like literally everywhere you go, like there's a Filipino town. There's like, yeah, seafood city, Jollibee. Like, no, nah, I didn't grow up with that. Like we grew up with like a Villiamar, which is like the only like art. Uh, they would, it, it, it said Jasmine, but they would say Hasmin and it was like the, you know, the two Filipino markets yeah. and we would live in between those. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, the Filipino community in Chicago was pretty much my entire family. Like I have a big family. I have a lot of cousins and everywhere I went, oh, I know your tita, I know your tito, I know your cousin. Like, you know, it was wild and it's just, it was, it's such a such a following <laughs> but were there um, filipino gangs in chicago there you know what's so funny man my older brother wasn't one okay my kuya when he moved here you know like my, my brother moved here when he was like 11 years old you know that language barrier and like he came from the philippines and like he didn't grow up here him and i never really got along at a younger age and like you know as he got older he's very rebellious so you know he became friends with like you know someone like they're not so friendly Asian kids, like in the neighborhoods, like in the suburbs, but they would try to be like the most like gangsters dudes ever and just try to cause a lot of trouble. But yeah, there was, but not like, not like Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, you know, with gang culture, especially amongst Asians, it's mainly because like, if you're, you're talking about the first generation, uh, yeah. you know, either post-war refugee type of generation. Right. And yeah. that's just, that's just a way for them to band together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, the the yeah. crime but it wasn't element, like the, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, the there's like a crime element, all that. There's like a crime element to it that uh, definitely is frowned upon. But the the rest of it is more like we just got to stick together. You know, it's yeah. that, it's that we're stick togetherness. We're, yeah. we're so little in this country that yeah. you know, we we have to band together, and yeah, unfortunately, it's through gangs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, like, and just seeing it, like, you know, they're very rebellious, and like, you know, they made up their own gangs out here, like in the Asian community. But it wasn't like it wasn't as it wasn't like oh, we're gonna like jump you in or like seriousness. It was like kind of like their own rules. But it's like like you guys said to your point, like at the time, you know, in the, in the like early or like late nineties or two thousands, like in Chicago or like. Illinois, like in the suburbs, like all I knew were like my brother and his like hard-headed friends and, you know, it's like the <laughs> communities of like, there's like these like different gangs in the different suburban areas and they're all Asian. Like it was just, it was such a weird, weird time, but it was just funny because I was like, man, looking back at that, I'm like, man, y'all were kind of just wild. <laughs> wild, yeah. But. I, I've, I've experienced yeah. that firsthand. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> so, so what were some of the, um, so when when did you like growing up in Chicago? Uh, when when did you kind of start getting more attracted to like art or or what was kind of some of the influences early early influences that you had that kind of drove you in that direction? Man, early influences were I mean I go back to it all the time with the Bulls. You know, uh, growing up like my family would literally have family parties for every single Bulls game, whether it was like a preseason exhibition or just like you know just a regular game. You know, and my family would literally religiously have family parties at Matita's house that like we lived down the street 
and everyone had to show up with some Bulls gear and like, you know, um, just fast forwarding through that, it was like Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen and like my dad would like, before my brother moved here, he would take me to, we had a, I don't know if you guys had a sports mart or sports authority in LA. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, we had, that's when they carried all the heat, you know, back yeah. in the day, they carried all the Jordans. So my dad would take me, I was in grade school and he would always buy me a pair, whether it were like the new Jays or like, you know, some Gary Payton's or Dennis, I had the Dennis Rodman Converse's, like yeah. all that. And then he would buy another pair to send it to my brother. Cause my brother was a big Bulls fan, a basketball fan, and, you know, they couldn't get that in the Philippines like that. So just seeing that and like looking forward to that moment of like, all right, I get to go to Foot Locker or Sports Authority or Sports Smart and get, get some new Jays. And just really, you know, in the Filipino community, because I was always surrounded by Matt, all my cousins and friends, like, you know, grade school friends, you were the coolest kid if you had like the latest like Bulls t-shirt or like the hat yeah. or like even in uh, elementary school, like I would try to like, we had like these, uh, I, I vividly remember this, we had like these like pencil dispenser machines and I always asked my parents for like 25 cents and I would sit the recorders and like kind of like low-key dish class and act yeah. like I went to the bathroom but walk to the, like to these dispensers and just try to like keep putting quarters in and keep dispensing pencils. And they had all the basketball teams. It would be so rare to get the Bulls one. So every time I got the Bulls one, I would try to upcharge like a dollar to the other kids. Like, yo, you just want this one? <laughs> or I'll trade you a Boston Celtics for Chicago Bulls. Or like, I don't know. It just, that logo, the colorway, everything really resonated with me growing up. And like, you know, to a point where we had Filipino basketball leagues through our churches. And my Nino, who's like, a god, my godfather was one of the pioneers of like starting like a basketball orgs, uh, uh, P man, they're probably, whoever's going to listen to this. Oh, you got it wrong. PBA. Yep. I think it was, yeah. PBR, PBL. PBL. Yeah. He would, he would be, he would ref it, but he would like start it with his boys, all my titos. And they would like literally want me to play. And I was, I sucked. But I remember <laughs> after church, we would all show up to the gym and every single kid, we all had, a Michael Jordan or a Scottie Pippen jersey on, but we had our you those were our uniforms. Right, and you would get confused of who of who was on what team, but you just knew you were like the coolest kid if you like you knew what was up if you had that stuff on. So, you know, early age it was it was basketball, even though I wasn't good. So, I mean, Bulls had the know, best colors, man. The, the color and black, was, red, bro. Yeah, yeah. the best mm-hmm. colors, the best color. I mean, it's hard to wear purple and gold sometimes, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, the I mean, yeah the best colors, the best player, you know, yeah. with Michael. Yeah, ma- yeah, yeah. Imagine if he played for any other team. Like, would would Jordans have that much uh, like you know influence in the apparel game? If like the shoes, home, were- man. <laughs> after watching the Last Dance, I was like, what? He almost went to Adidas. He wanted Adidas. Yeah. Bro, like, yo, yo, it's <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah, and it's like Kobe. You know, when Kobe, like, bro, he was Adidas before Nike, and I was right. like, yeah, dude. yeah. Like, I remember seeing those those shoes at Foot Locker. I was like, oh, I want the Kobe's, and they were the Adidas ones. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, basketball culture, um, really resonated with me. You know, and I would always replicate and draw a Bulls logo in like my elementary school notebooks. Like I would always sit there and just draw the Bulls head. Like it was so iconic. I just like kind of yeah. knew it by heart and I would just have fun at that. Um but yeah it was it was basketball. It was you know collecting Pokemon cards. My dad entered me in the league when I was a kid, like bought me all the cards and like I would like sit there and draw like Pokemon in my notebooks and like but then it really you know I think way before that though even though I knew it before that era it was like growing up my mom took me to a lot of craft shows wow. and she would be like the only asian lady like making her own like handmade crafts like ribbons candles flower arrangements whatever 
and she would spend like a month or two preparing all these crafts and then she would get ready for the fall show and the fall show was at like this like golf course clubhouse that was like you know a 20 25 30 minute drive from our house and like she would set up shop and she would take me with her because you know at the time no one would, would watch me I'm, i can't be alone i'm still a kid right. so she would take me and i would you know of course i would be bored out of my mind i'm like man what am i doing here like but then she's like oh you know you here's like a stack of paper here's a pencil here's a pen like walk around and just like kind of draw what you see and i'd i'd walk around this little kid with a bull's hat on and just like look at different booths and like yeah. you know this is when like uh it was like christmas time and like reefs were really big and like really intricate patterns and i would just sit there and kind of like mimic what i saw uh from there and then if i get tired of that i would go back to my mom's booth sit there with a stack of paper and i would just draw like i had a really big ima imagination as a kid i would literally draw stick figures with laser guns shooting at dinosaurs and like just like and then all of a sudden the dinosaurs would turn into some car i was it was random as hell, but I would literally spend like hours on like one sheet of paper and adding on new ideas to like did as your if it was mom, a movie in my head. Did, you, did your mom notice that you had uh, a talent for for drawing? Did she start noticing the things you were drawing, especially like her taking you to these craft fairs and stuff? Um, yeah, she de she definitely noticed. She got like you know, and then after that, it was like my birthdays or my Christmases would be like literally like those like as seen on TV art supply kits <laughs> at the time, yeah, you know, so they would give me that and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And like, there's a lot of tools in those kits that I would not know what they were, but I would like, you know, as a kid, I'm just curious, I would experiment. Like I definitely yeah. use some of those stuff for the wrong reasons, but um, yeah, it was, it was such an early on thing, you know, and her being like loving uh, crafts, arts and crafts, to this day, she still does it. Um, you know, even like when it comes to Christmas time, like she gets hired to like decorate people's homes with her with her crafts. Oh. But you know, my mom's activity director. She grew up. She came to the U.S. and started working through the nursing home realm. And so this day, assisted living facilities, working with senior citizens. Yeah. And her main activities would have them work with their hands and make stuff. And I would always be That's exposed to that. Filipino community is working in, in nursing homes and healthcare. Yeah. They're helping the elderly. Obviously, being a nurse as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, no facts. Um, yeah. So going, I mean, I would say like from that in high school, it like toward me, I guess in your senior year, did you already know that you're like, I'm going to be in the arts. So I'm going to go to art school. I want to go to, you know, I did, yeah, man, I didn't know till. So I didn't know that, like there were like tiers of careers in creativity and art till junior year of high school you know before that middle school or like freshman sophomore year of high school like you know i was super big into like street where i would shop on like karma loop back in the day i'll try to dennis i would literally try to like try to like google search or not even like you know dial up search some crooks and castle t-shirts back in the day like yo i need this and this fitted hat like it would be a mission to find all this stuff because it, it wasn't as accessible you know this yeah. is before like stores like zoomies or pack sun and all that would carry that stuff you know right. like right. i i worked at zoomies in high school and sophomore year of high school i worked at zoomies that was my first like retail job and like this is when lrg was still popping off you know dgk like that all over yeah. screen print hoodie like zip up all the way up top and like yeah. new york was huge famous stars of shafts was huge so like i got into that because i'm like i want to be near this stuff and that was the closest i could get you know because i wasn't in the city i was in the suburbs um but i was very exposed to that you know skate culture you know, I used to collect CCS magazines and like 
cut up pages and like kind of paste into my in my room. Yeah. But I couldn't skateboard. I just love the graphics. I would literally stare at skate decks and like flip through pages looking at the different like, you know, world industry skate decks and like girl yeah. skate decks and Yeah. The, I was just fascination for it, the it was very visual growing up. Yeah. The graphics yeah. skate decks were the best. Dude, to this day they're so hard, body. They're so fire. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I always appreciate the skate community because I think they have this very like DIY aesthetic about it. Mm-hmm, from yeah. from just going out to the street and looking at a curb and trying to see how you skate it and then how how you film it, how you record it. Yes. So the skate community, I felt they always have like this. Let's just go out and get it. You know, I, I used to always just watch skate videos even after like I got out of. Um, being a skater or wanting to be in the skate culture i used to still yeah. watch the old like plan b videos because they were playing underground hip-hop that yep. you couldn't hear on 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 radio you couldn't hear this stuff and i would be like damn they, they're playing this this dell dell the funky homo sapien track or, or <laughs> casual for my time but yeah, <laughs> yeah stuff like i that i've never heard and um yeah so oh, for sure yeah not and and yeah, see, we all connected through that. You know, it's like I, I didn't skateboard. I just, you know, I had to learn how to put skate decks together for customers. And I, my homies would skate, and like I, they would always ask me to actually just like, "Yo, can you like design us t-shirts or like tweak, tweak some graphics for us?" Like I used to like have to learn my way through. Like you know, my my uncles and my dad, like they were, or specifically my dad's brother, my Tito. He was like really big into building computers for people so he would build me like and he used to live with us, with us at the time so he had all these computers around and he was like, oh here's like this beater computer like i have some like programs on there if you want to mess with it and i didn't know what illustrator was i didn't know photoshop like he had some like this was not even adobe at the time this was just like some bootleg um yeah. design program so i would just mess around with it and like uh, i would just get really good at it and like have fun with like designing graphics and like you know, I don't know if y'all like back when like Xanga Asian Avenue hide and poor nights was like a thing. Yep. My friends would hit yep. me up. They're like, yo, can you like customize like this, like eight bit Integra and like put like a graphic here, like color it this way. So I just like, you know, through comic books, skating, skate stuff, like working in that industry, like as, as a high school kid who didn't have access to like streetwear as, as it was like, you had to really hunt for it. And like, you know, just that all just kind of, pushed me towards like, all right, cool. Like there has to be something to this. And that's when I got in junior year high school, my counselor was like, you know, you seem to have, you know, you graduate so, so you're, you're a decent student. You, you're, you're not tardy. You're like, you're a good student, but he's like, obviously your art teacher always speaks highly of you. He's like, you're always very just in tune with the class. Like you never want to leave or you like would ask to stay after school. Sometimes like I would like, ask to request to stay after school to like, finish a final project that I had to finish. Like, even though it wasn't due for a month, I would just want to work on it because it was fun. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, your art teacher thinks you should go be a graphic designer. And I was like, what's that? He's like, you know, you can design, you know, just different stuff for companies and, you know, work at an agency. And I was like, this was all new to me. And I was a junior and he's like, you should go to this, uh, there's an art school, Columbia College, Chicago. And, you know, you can get into there. It's a, it's a decent art school, it's private mad expensive i did not finish but um you know <laughs> you, you i learned, learned a lot you learned the tools you needed right yo i just i literally I, I tell my friends all the time to this day like i probably needed like two classes my freshman year and that was it <laughs> <laughs> to learn illustrator <laughs> yeah intro intro to design and like maybe you can relate to this like 
you know, I was so good at Photoshop. And then I remember like my first day I like intro to 2D design, you know, I, you know, just fast forwarding to college. I was like, yeah, now, you know, my professor was like, I'm going to challenge you guys not to open Photoshop because I know half of you here or most of you know Photoshop. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like I, all right. day. Yeah. It's like, you got to open Illustrator. And I was like, what is this? It was so frustrating. I sucked. It was terrible. It was hard to use. Like what's a vector? How, right. what does the line do? Like, how do you connect points? I don't know. <laughs> I did, yeah. When I was in art school, my, my teacher introduced me to, to Illustrator first. And yeah. she knew, she knew that I was probably the most talented in my class. So she had me design, um, characters for a menu for a restaurant she was working on oh it's fire yeah and she's like she's like you could draw these characters that like they were like little chili like cowboys or whatever <laughs> and she said but once you learn how to do this on illustrator you're always going to want to do it this way and, it, mm -hmm. and illustrator only had like six tools in the palette so back in the day yeah yeah so as as i started working and i got out and Illustrator kept coming up with new things and new tools. It was always like, damn, what does this thing do? And it just got, yeah. it got easier, but at the same time, it got more complex. It got more complex, but how, and I tell people all the time, like, you know, as, as an artist or just like as working your way with Illustrator programs, you kind of develop your own instincts of like, how am I going to use this program? How am I going to flow through it? You right. know? Yeah. Like there's enough to like learn, like obviously like the, the really just like core values of like what these tools are, but it, it really works to your advantage of like how you use those tools. Cause you may, you know, and I loved it in college. He, my professor was like, all right, here's, everyone's gonna have to create this one thing he would put on, on the projector onto the, onto the screen. Yeah. But he's like, I'm going to have to have you guys. So he literally just threw us in the water. He's like, yo, you just got to figure out how to make this, but make it look like this or exactly the same thing, but just figure out what tools we work best with. I was like, tight. So. Yeah, you can mean you, you you learn through experience, but then you also learn through mistakes too. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Or, yeah. or using something maybe wasn't intended for that, but you you can figure it out and make that into that's part of your style now. Right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Speaking of your style, there's like uh, this geometric kind of theme that I uh, I see reoccurring through it. Um, yeah. How you come up with like this look or this theme for your art. Man, it was uh, really deriving back from my childhood. You know, I was very exposed to like a lot of like intricate patterns and like, you know, growing up like super religious in my family, we go to like a lot of like Catholic churches and I would look at like the stained glass and all the details. And I was just like, this is really cool. Like, I love this Baroque looking aesthetic. And so, you know, I think um, the geometric abstraction as we dub it um, came from those like fine lines of like line work and patterns, but like, how can I take something flat, kind of deconstruct it in a sense of like, I'm going to make this form into a way that like, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense because once the whole picture's together, it's like, wow, I see what's really happening here, you know? And it's like, and I always kind of say it, it's like in a sense of, you know, you're in control of your own chaos. My chaos is all the little fine, like little details, but I'm going to show you visually, not just talking about it, but like show you visually through a painting or a digital illustration or installation or sculpture or a project and like kind of show you how we can control these like chaotic elements, but like kind of make it, you know, unison and kind of like, uh, kind of just make sense in, in general towards yeah. like what you're trying to, what we're trying to say. How long, how long have you been kind of really focusing on that kind of geometric abstraction style? 
man, you know, the story is like, oh, you know, my whole life pretty much. Like, I think it's like literally stemmed from my childhood. But just like as I got older, um, you know, more focusing seriously the last, you know, it's been a decade of design work. But the last three years, it's been three years now of really focusing on this uh, style and this path and this journey that, you know, I'm very grateful and to work towards and like have a whole family to work with to like really just bring all these ideas to life and kind of just pushing the envelope you know it's not just like um i think what we're getting to is like not content of like you know it's fun that it's it's really fun to own it but it's more fun when we get to experiment more with it you know yeah. kind of showing you not just like a painting or illustration or print you know it's like how can we expand it to like we're gonna make you feel this through an installation. We're gonna make you feel this through sculpture. We're gonna make you feel this through like collaboration. Like, you know, we're hitting all angles. And I think for myself, it's like, I have a graphic design, you know, slash fashion design background in a sense, mm -hmm. product design, like pretty much, you know, tapped into a lot of different things, but also I have also art side too, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess each project kind of, lends yourself to um kind of evolving your style or 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 adapting your style to what that project may be absolutely yeah um which so like expands the language you know yeah like for sure it can make it shows that i you know myself and the, and the team we could like understand what's going on and like you know i i guess what i'm trying to say is like i don't want to just be one lane in a sense like I want to show you how I, we can use this and how I can embody the work to like kind of fit different lanes in a sense of like that, but ultimately all come together, yeah. you know, in unison. What did you, what would you say is like, or, or if you even had this, but did you have like one moment where you're like, Oh, this is it. And everything just kind of turned up from there for you. Yeah, man. It was like really the beginning. Um, you know, so when I lived in Los Angeles and moved back to Chicago, and you know i was here and then you know, i used to tell the story all the time and it's just like it was my friend's birthday big simpsons fan and i was like yeah i need to do like a piece i was like oh let me just like give this person this art piece you know let me just have fun with it and i was like you know back in chicago and it literally just like happened just like not even like fully focusing on it i was just like let me just like draw up homer simpson but then I was like, cool, like it's my style, but there's no color at all. I was like, let me just add like the traditional colors of this dude. And I did, and I got it, I got a print made. And then I was like, this is kind of dope. And then I remember giving it as a gift. And you know, they this person was like, Oh my god, this is amazing. This is dope as hell. I was like, You think so? So then like the next day, I was like, I had a picture of it. Yeah. Like I just took it on my iPhone and I was like, let me put this on Instagram. And I did. And from there, it was just like people were just like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, this is dope. And I was like, should I just keep going? So like from there, I was just like having fun with it. I didn't really think of it of like, oh, I'm going to make something out of this. Like, it's just, you know, it was, it was really fun to get back to free flow with art again, like focusing on art rather than just like design, design. It was like, oh, I'm having fun doing this. So I did the whole family and then, you know, it caught a little wind. And, you know, um, one of our, who's still, my good friend, one of our, like the squad, our good friend, Drew Henderson, he owns a barber shop called No Custom Glory. He hit me up on Instagram. He's like, yo, this stuff's dope. Like, do you want to have a barber, uh, not barber shop? Do you want to have a show at my shop? I was like, dude, why not? 
So like I got all the Simpsons pieces together and like, you know, within like two, three weeks, you know, I got together with who now my manager, it's my best friend, Austin Neely, like, and my cousin Brad, like, you know, we were all at Austin's place and uh, we're like, yo, like, I, I need help. Like, can you guys come with me to set the show up? And we just all hung out. It was like just boys chilling, you know? We were just all, we all had history together. Yeah. Well, Austin and I had history together and Brad's my cousin, so we're family, but, you know, we just all started to, like, all three of us started to hang out a lot. And I was like, man, like, we have the show coming up and, you know, they're very heavily involved and, like, just being there for me, you know, my boys and, like, yeah, you know. I, I would, you guys realize you're like, oh, we could possibly have a business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, possibly form something, you know, but right. a business that has moving parts. And, you know, we set up shop that day at the show and it was a like big success and it was, it was a humbling feeling. It was, it was just like all this excitement, you know, like, well, there's like a new art. There's, we had, we crammed like a hundred people into like this like 40, 50 person capacity room. And it was definitely not legal at the time because it was just like, <laughs> yo, there's too many people in here, but it was dope. And then, you know, I, I'm not going to forget this. We walked out that night and then, uh, Austin was like, yo, we got to like have a bigger venue for the show. Let's, we got to bring it somewhere else. Like, you know, yeah. and so at the, the time it was just like, the transition yeah. was pretty quick then from you working for Don and, and being in LA, going back to Chicago, you know, doing the, the Homer Simpson piece and then being approached to do this, to the, do the show at the barbershop is like, what would you say that's a span of like a few months or span of probably three months wow wow yeah it was very it was it was very just like it was by chance you know it was very just like you know me being religious as a guy's i was just gonna say it was god's work it, it yeah. really is because it was just it was it was crazy you know I, it was it was something that wasn't forced it was organic and but i was you know living in la like after work hours and on the weekends i was still working on my personal art but i didn't have a lot of focus on it Cause I was so like focused on to, you know, other projects for others and freelance work. Yeah. But then like came back to Chicago, I was like, man, like I want to really pick up where I left off of like focusing on my crafts. Word. But then yeah. from there it was like, cool. Working with the homies. Let's, yeah. let's go crazy. Yeah. You have a, I mean, it's, it's obvious that you have a, a ton of love for Chicago and where you're from. Do you think you would yeah. have uh, maybe the same success or the same, like speed in, in the success if you were somewhere else like LA or New York? Man, and that's a good question. Going back to the first, early in the beginning of this, um, you were asking, you guys were asking about like how LA was. I think, man, honestly, that's, I think it really resonates to like where you grow up and who you're surrounded by, you know? I've yeah. met amazing artists who come from small towns and that are not from Illinois or Chicago. Like I've met some people from Pittsburgh or like Ohio or Wisconsin and they're mad talented. But the question always is, is like, oh, so how do you, you know, what drove you here? And it's an ongoing thing. I think I'm just very grateful that my family decided to move to Chicago. Like, honestly, my mom was fighting to move to San Francisco because her side of the family came to the U.S. but lived in San Francisco. And then my dad's side lived in Chicago. So I was like, I could have grown up either here or I could have been born and raised in, San, in the Bay. Yeah. I was like, that's crazy to think about that. Right. But, you know, it's, it's all about location and what you're surrounded by. And I think at the time and still now, it's like Chicago and the people here are just so like driven and like I said, a lot of cities, but 
there's just such a big community here and a lot of camaraderie, especially now that it's like, all right, we all always have to be the best versions of ourselves daily and work together. And it definitely helps to start or, or create your home base in your home base, right? Like have your, absolutely. Or your immediate family, be your support system, your friends growing up. I think when I was living in New York and Crook started picking up, my immediate reaction was like, I eventually have to move back to LA, you know, set up up shop, get, build my team. I actually bet basically hire the homies. Right. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And we, we going to run. So yeah, I, I I see, you know, there's nothing, there's not a better feeling like of building something and enjoying the success of it. Um, than doing it at home and with your friends and family. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the best part, you know, it's like, it's been three years, but it's like, it's, it's a journey, but it's honestly very exciting. Like it's, it's, it's nerve wracking, but it's exciting because it's like, we could always expect something new. It's like something that we could always look back on and like tell our families, our kids like 10, 15 years from now, like, Oh, you know, we had to do this to get here. And now, yeah, you know, but I think that's what makes it fun. You know, it's, it's different. Right. Yeah. I mean, Chicago's a, I mean, Chicago is such a cool, like, cultural city, too. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you have, like, a ton of, like, uh, like streetwear stores and sneaker shops. Uh, there's, like, a, a whole history of music and jazz and house music. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole food, food culture. Uh, yeah. How is the, like, the art community there in Chicago? Oh, the art community in Chicago is amazing. It's great. We have a lot of, like, everyone here is so talented and, like, you know, from just whether or not like gallery owners, you know, the, 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 home, the street artist homies, um, just like the designers or like, even like just in general, like there's just such a, not even community. It feels like a big family here. Yeah. You know, when we're always out to each other's shows or like even on Instagram and just all show each other love. And it's like, everyone has a distinct style aesthetic that when you see it, whether you're driving down, like, to, towards the north side or like going home, when i go home to the burbs like you know i see it like some pieces on the highway or whatever like i just know who that is or like you know it's just it's such a people think all oh, right yeah, chicago is a big city but it very is a small community but the art community here is super strong and like definitely like i always think about them like you know it's like la if there was like a big like game show or something that like each major city had to had to have like they're like starting five or starting ten of like artists from each city like you know I think we would be competitors. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, because there's a lot. There's so much. There's so much talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that um, the episode on Home of Theaster Gates and what he's yeah. doing in Chicago with like taking old um, buildings and restoring them in a way that it invites the community. Um, yeah. a strong art influence and it brings people together. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and that's and those are the kind of role models that we have here and i'm thankful and i'm sure like a lot of other cities though too but it's like i think to your point dennis like the astro gates and all the amazing the greats that are like setting up examples of not just like and i think going to like where chicago is we as artists like it's like we just don't want to create to have art shows or sell pieces like yeah it's it's the visual storytelling but it's like so strong and resilient to community that when we do a project or we create something it's not intended just for us. It's intended for everybody. So when one yeah. artist or someone wins, we all win because we're able to bring our victories and 
share these moments with the entire city and the entire art community that we can help inspire the next generation, show these kids that there are careers and opportunities to fulfill and do whatever they please to do later on in life, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, that yeah. art is an important thing. Yeah. Even with music, like you always hear Kanye and Common constantly yeah. putting Chicago on the map and, and yeah, Lupe, yeah, Lupe. Twista, like yeah. the brat, like there's so many like <laughs> legends that come out of Chicago. Like, Ludacris claims Atlanta, but he's from Chicago. You know, it's just <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. He is from Chicago. He just, he moved to Atlanta to be a, a, dis, a radio jockey or something, right? Yeah. And don't forget, I mean, Chicago's like a great sports city too. Of course. Yeah. Arguably I mean, probably one of, the, one of the greatest sports cities. Yeah. Yeah, I got the Cubs on right now, you know, yeah. and Austin's out here sitting, he has a Sox hat on right now. So it's like, you know, it's just, Chicago's a very sport-driven city. And we have like the most like, I think, Wait, how you know, going back to fashion. Cubs won. Oh, bro. <laughs> that was like, first of all, my mom does not know anything about baseball. Yeah. Like zero. Yeah. This this woman would literally be like, guys, the Cubs, the game is on. <laughs> she would <laughs> religiously watch like, a like, baseball yeah. game. And she would know. I was like, how do you know what an inning is? She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like third base. Third base. Like she was just like the little call outs. Like, oh yeah. you know, just like, oh, he's going to throw a baseball. He's going to throw a fastball. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, yo, like when the Cubs, that run – yeah, when won the World Series and all that. That was just like it was it's historical, you know. It was a hundred yeah. years, and like for us as adults and like young adults, and to live through that and kind of really experience the culture, it was crazy. Like the city was, it wasn't. It was like, humbly say, it was like on fire. You know, it was crazy. And like that's when the Blackhawks were hot too. Oh yeah. And we always say that you know if the if the Bulls ever win, if we ever get to that point, yeah it would legitimately be on fire, <laughs> like literally on fire. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, the sports town, it's such a sports town, you know, and we have, and I think what goes back to it is like a lot of people in the industry, like even before it's like, you know, rappers would wear the socks hats, you know, yeah. movies would always film and depict the Chicago Cubs, you yeah. know, like the Blackhawks logo is one of the most iconic logos. The Bulls logo is one of the most iconic logos. Like I think it was everything from branding to aesthetics and to the uniforms and the colors yeah. that, the bears i can't even forget them but like you know it's just such a an obama obama's not from chicago but he was based in chicago oh yeah no <laughs> based in chicago but he reps i mean yeah the obama's like they rep he reps chicago and it's chicago. every time like i see somebody like that i know is from chicago and it's just it's, it's exciting i remember um got to attend the all-star game this year which feels like a lifetime ago I remember watching the introduction video, like on the on the jumbotron. And it was it was aired on TV. I don't know if you guys watched it, but it was like they had like, of course, Michael Jordan. They had Obama in there. They had Chance. They had Keith Palmer, and they had like Hebrew. And yeah. Yay. it was just like, yeah, it was crazy. It was it was yeah, so crazy. cool to see hometown heroes and inspirations that we always that we all like look up to be seen on the bigger picture of like, yo, this is Chicago. This is a city that has bred a lot of amazing people. Yeah. For real. Yeah, shout out the nineties uh, Chicago Bulls uh, theme song. That, yeah, that's exactly. That, sh- that shit still gets me hyped. <laughs> yeah, dude, to this day. Exactly. Um, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. let's, I guess, fast forward to some kind of more recent projects. So the end of last year, yeah. you had the big uh, kind of SpongeBob Modernica. Yeah. Project. 
Yeah, no, man, the SpongeBob Modernica collaboration and that just project entirely is just a dream come true. And it was something that like we, it was a lot of work, but it was so fulfilling in a sense of like, yo, we, we had fun with it. We literally took something that may have sounded so crazy and like that's that can never happen to be like, it's happened, you know? Like I'm literally sitting next to one of the, the chairs right now and, you know, behind me, you see the boxes, like we have, you know, the last tier to that collaboration coming out, which are the sculptures. And I'm very excited that people are looking forward to those, you know? Uh, we have those coming out very soon, super limited quantity. And once it's done, it's done. Um, but what made yeah, the Modernica. The Modernica. Man, we, uh, Austin could attest to this, but like we always, every time we had a project or like a, a scope of work and like people would ask us what our wish list was, we literally throw a Modernica mock-up in every single deck we made. <laughs> Whether it was for like, you know, the first minimal like collaboration, even though this brand probably didn't know who Modernica was, like, you know, and we just kept throwing it out there, you know, we just kind of, yeah. you got to kind of design into existence, I guess, speak it into existence. And then yeah. we suddenly had this opportunity with Nickelodeon and Jay Balvin and who are now family to us. And like, and now Modernica, it's like, yeah, let's, Let's, let's make it come true like let's just throw it out there and then next thing we know we got like three four yeses and i'll like, oh, just fire. we have to do this and you know i'm we got to go there last november and we just found ourselves at the modernica warehouse and headquarters and we're all looking at these pieces like this is crazy yeah i mean when i you saw know? some of the the pr on it on like hype beast and stuff i was just like yo young bull's coming out swinging he got Balvin on, he's doing a, a Modernica chair. He's working with <laughs> I'm like, damn. Yeah, man. No, I, thank you, bro. It, it's crazy. a humbling thing. Yeah. Dude, you know, and it's like, to me, it was like, and it's funny because before all that, like, people, you know, it's, people are like realizing, oh, I'm Filipino American. You know, like, I, I get mistaken for Luis sometimes. I'm like, oh, you're Hispanic. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm Filipino. Yeah. So, like, we got to, like, kind of bring worlds together, you know? You have, like, Jay covering, like, the Spanish side and, like, you know, me as an Asian-American and then you have, like, an American brand like, like SpongeBob Nickelodeon. Yeah. It was more than just the pieces. It was going back to the whole community thing. Like, we want to show you that we can bring people from all parts of the world. Yeah. Backgrounds. But in unison to create something so just special and driven. Like, yo, this is this is what life's about this is a community right in a, in a real sense of working this is a cl- this is what sh- collaboration should be like <laughs> no no i love that uh, yeah what other uh what other big projects do you have um maybe coming up that you can speak on man so i mean next big one that we have obviously the release of our spongebob sculptures um you know we have this is not till quite a while we haven't set a date yet but you know, we can't really say much, but, you know, very humbled to, we're, we're humbled to partner up and be teamed up with New Balance. So there's something special coming there. Ooh, nice. um, and then there, you go. there are like two other ones for the rest of the year that I can't speak on, but super just, one of them is literally just like, man, like we did not know this one was coming. Like we're just, it's going to be tight. Like it's a lot of kids and a lot of people like in our generation are going to really, really appreciate it and be like, all right, we see how we're cooking. Like yeah. Dennis, you, Dennis, you just said like you're like man, young bull coming out swinging from the SpongeBob yeah. one. When yeah. you see what we're gonna do next, humbly saying so, like you're gonna be like, all right, we're, we're gonna keep swinging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> is it, is it uh, yeah? Is it a 
like a ch- I don't know if I want to say a challenge, but is it something that you guys try to get your next projects or your future projects? Do you try to think yeah. and like, what do we need to do bigger or better or? No, it's like, it's never about like, Oh, we got to keep honestly Great. guys. Like it's just right. been, yeah, it's, we're just very blessed to be in a position where it's like, we never knew this was going to happen. You know, there was a point where like the second year, you know, the, I remember Austin tell, asking me, he's like, yo, so what, what, what's like, what's our plan? What's, what's next? What are we all going to do? We, we sat in a room and it was like us three at the time. And now we have a, a team. It's like, yo, like what, what are we going to do next? And now it's like, we just got to keep doing what we've been doing, being true and genuine towards our craft and just really putting our best foot forward as far as like our knowledge goes in the creative realm, you know, like, and I'm th- we all come from different creative backgrounds and like putting those together helps us generate the energy towards the big projects that people are like, Oh my gosh, like, can we do this with you? Can we work on this? And just having more fun as, as, as long as we keep having fun and as long as we, that's what it all. Yeah. Truthfully speaking, you know, it's not about, all right, cool. Like I'm working with this brand. Like it all comes from genuine truth and like fun. Like we're having fun doing this. We're making things that we actually like, you know what I'm saying? Right and things that we resonate with and hope to others could enjoy. And thankfully, you know, so far our language has been able to translate towards, you know, everyone from like art collectors mm-hmm. to, you know, families yeah. like that our SpongeBob activation in Chicago was like, we had a whole week pop up. We had connoisseurs there who are big art collectors and sculpture toy collectors. And what you do with the our body. giant six foot SpongeBob. Oh, this, <laughs> yeah, the six foot right now is in a warehouse tucked away. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, I think, you know. You guys aren't planning on bring- that? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you trying to cop Dennis? You going to buy that one, man? I got you. No. <laughs> yeah, I no, not yet. Give you my da- my daughter's uh, college tuition. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like, I think, you know, we'd love to keep working on bigger projects like that. Because, you know, a dream one day would to really get, like, a permanent sculpture placement. Mm. I think, you know, that. That's something that I could see happening. What, what's another maybe dream brand that you would you would love to work with? Man, if you if we get a fashion house and I say if we get Louis Vuitton, because you know Louis Louis, no, <laughs> got it. Um, no, nah, yeah, but you know a, a high end fashion brand would be crazy because it's just like you know growing up in the '90s and early 2000s with like my parents. My three thousand people's getting the bootleg Gucci Louis and just like, all right, you know, like we'll bring you the real thing now. Like I got you. <laughs> I mean, you got another Chicago kid running the biggest brand in the world right now. You know, Virgil. Oh man, dude, exactly. So, yeah, no. Anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, anything I is is very possible. Not, not that crazy anymore because yeah, things are definitely possible. Things are happening. I mean, even the projects you've worked on in the past, it's like those are big major steps. No, yeah, they're in River. I'm man. I'm always forever grateful. Major steps in such a, you know, short amount of time, but we're gonna keep moving. Yeah, know? just just keep pushing. So uh, we're gonna start wrapping this up. But last question for me is: Do you have any advice uh, if there's a young artist who's listening right now uh, for them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know y'all have the, uh, you know, the tool in your palm of your hand every day. It's good to pay attention to that, but and you know social channels but as much as you want to 
follow the footsteps of your favorites follow and follow always follow your own true intuition your own gut yeah you know be original to yourself and be true to yourself and don't create just to kind of like stay in line of like what's hot create because it's something that you just enjoy doing or like you legitimately just like yo this feels right you know so just stay true to yourself don't try to be like anybody else but yourself because you're going to be the next best thing you're you're your own best thing all said all said um my last question is do you have any like routines or daily rituals man just waking up at like 7 30 been on like you know (laughs) trying to be healthy out here so eating oatmeal in the morning and blueberries and just texting my guys and just shooting the shit and then listen to jazz music and then you know drive up to the studio and wipe everything down now <laughs> literally wipe everything down <laughs> got these wipes on deck and just kick it you know and just work but no i i, I eased into it you know yeah. and there's really no greater and i'm sure you guys can relate because you know both of you guys legends ogs in the game that we you thank know you. thank you for paving the way for for me being asian american both of you guys thank you guys so much for paving the way continuing to you know pa- like passing on the torch to us and believing in us and making room for us because without you guys, none of this would be possible. So I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it's like, it feels good to know that we have a place to call our own, that we have our, like as much as things could be either be very slow or very fast at the end of the day, like it's ours, we own it. And it's, we were just very thankful to just have somewhere to keep progressing, you know? So the studio has been awesome and, you know, the team and what we all believe has been great and we're a big family. And, you know, when the family wins, we're all just going to like, I just can't wait till like 15, 20 years from now when we can all look back and tell our kids like, hey, yeah, college or wherever you are, we've all built this just messing yeah. around back in the day. And now we're here. So, Lewis, thank you so much, man, for your time. Of course. Thank you, guys. And I appreciate y'all, thank man. You. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Take care, bro. There, guys. Thank you.